Welcome to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast, where we seek to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. I'm Shane Garcia, and I am back at it again with Millersville University's former college radio station advisor. He's been retired for 10 years now, almost, but he was also Millersville University's retention officer, Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin. Doc, how are you doing today? Shane, I am doing wonderful because I did something I have never thought I would be capable of doing. What's that? I just got off the phone. I don't know if I told you, but my credit card got hacked. Oh, God. Yeah. And that means I have to now get, uh, I had one direct payment on my credit card and that was uh, uh, my direct TV stuff. And I said, oh, my God, because I called up the bank. And of course, what they do is cancel it. Right. Yeah. So then they say they're going to get me a, a credit card within seven to 10 days, and it's already been 12. And uh, I was getting going to get a charge on the 19th. So I said, I better, I better get this changed because I got the new credit card numbers, but I haven't got the card and I haven't activated it yet. So I said, I'll go to DirecTV and see if I can put it on another card. And Technology Challenge Doc did it all by himself. Can you believe that, Shane Garcia? Technology Challenge Doc beats technology. Congratulations, Doc, for doing what you could, for putting your mind to your work and, and getting things done and accomplished. And you don't know, Shane, now you do know, because you know me, uh, how, how challenging this was for me to do, because I don't do well with technology, or whatever you want to call it. Especially when those hands don't work. Yep, the hands don't work, but the mind was still active. Well, Doc, congratulations on getting that done. I, I'm very proud of you. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. But as as we just said there, Doc's mind works. He says his hands don't work, but his mind does. And I think that's the reason, that's part of the reason why the university placed so much trust in you to become the school student retention officer even though you had no background in it all, just like your days in, in college radio. But we're coming back at it today with a topic that is very much integral to the world of college radio. And as I'm sure most people know, sometimes students have a problem with putting their entire will, their entire efforts, and their entire time into their studies, their classes. And that can kind of give them problems when it comes to pursuing their degree. But when they're in college, they do have their passions, they have their love, they have their drive for their extracurricular activities, and in this case, college radio, which can give them a platform to thrive, a creative outlet for them to latch onto, and to be themselves, to give them the leadership skills that are going to help them for not only today, but for the days after they graduate, and the many years that come after that. And sometimes their college radio station can really be the driving force in which keeps them enrolled in school and eventually graduate from college. And it takes somebody to create a special foundation, kind of like yourself, Doc, to really retain the students to make sure that they walk away with that degree in the end. Yes, and, and uh, I want to thank the college and the college administration because they asked me to, to uh, actually they paid me uh, six consecutive summer salaries at full pay to study retention and to develop an undecided program and to write a report and to, uh, to find out how we can retain students. And I didn't know anything about retention, 
But I, as usual, just like I didn't know anything about podcasts, Shane. You didn't know anything about radio when you got involved in it either. Nope. Didn't know anything about radio, but I, I was one of those kind of guys that was willing, I guess, to take a risk and, and say, oh, God, I want to do something different. So I plunged full speed ahead. Uh, it started with the retention, making me retention officer, which I always thought was a lousy title because I thought I'd have walk around the campus and people would have to salute me and say, retention. And, and, uh, and I said, nah, nah, nah. But that was the title they gave me because they wanted me to, they, they needed help in retaining students. So I decided, okay, they paid me a full summer salary. What better thing can I do? I read all summer. Took a whole summer to read, Shane. Read, they sent me to conferences, okay? So I learned all about retention. And then I became very aware that this is basically simple. It is a very simple process. I know that's gonna, uh, some people are gonna say, what are you talking about? I had the perfect model, the radio station, okay? The radio station was a retention program in, the, in essence, because people would get so enthralled with being on the radio and then we had a 2.0 requirement, okay? And then I would kick people off the air who if they got under 2.0, and I'm not gonna tell you some very good people were thrown off the air at WIXQ and work their grades up so that they could uh, eventually graduate from Millersville University. And uh, some even became station managers, program directors, uh, chief announcers, uh, and, and retention, as I found out, was really more out of the classroom stuff. In other words, everybody thinks it's academics and that's what makes you stay in school. Yeah, you gotta do the academics. Because if you don't get the grades, Shane, what happens if you don't get the grades? What happens? You, well, you don't graduate. That's right. And you graduated, correct? Yeah, I graduated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and did you ever view the fact that 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 learning at an IXQ had an impact on you, maybe working hard to get good grades, or were you just a good student? I think it was a little bit of both. And I uh, I, I realized, well, I was at the college. I was at Millersville University because of the radio station, because I wanted to be a radio broadcaster. And while I could have put a little bit more focus on my classes, I know I could have, I really enjoyed being at the radio station. And if my grades failed, I wouldn't have been able to be at the radio station. And see, Shane, you didn't even know you were part of Doc's retention effort. Because we used to do a grade check. I used to summarize the grades every semester. And the average grade of WIXQ was always a little bit above a 3.0. Did you know that? I did not know that. And we even had some 4.0 students. And we had some 2.1, students, which is still worthy of graduation. I used to get a chuckle out of these kids that would come in always at a 2.2 or a 2.10. But they knew if they got under the 2.0, what would happen, Shane, according to the Constitution? They would not be allowed on the radio station until they got their grades up. Exactly. And so I use that as a, I guess you want to call it a hammer. And I remember the tearful, uh, I mean, there was one guy that I had to take off the air who later became a radio broadcaster uh, locally. And, and, and he was in tears. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, you don't, you didn't get the 2-0, but Doc, can't you cut me a break? I mean, I'm a, no, you're off the air. Was that easy for me to do, Shane? No. But I knew it was a retention effort. And if they didn't get their grades up, it was like, what do you call it? The, 
putting the carrot in front of you. I dangle that WIXQ carrot out there, right? And you're like reaching for the carrot. You can't get the carrot. You got to get the 2-0 carrot. And then all of a sudden they uh, they did it and they came back on the air. And I can remember that I, I suspended one semester, a very, very good twosome that uh, they were devastated. I said, well, this is very easily solved. Just get the two of them be back. And boy, they worked and they got it back. I, I can think of three people that, uh, that, that I did that to. There's probably many more. So that was the retention effort. No matter what the organization, people, when they, when they, I'm going to ask you a question now, Shane. We're going to reverse this a little bit. When you, why do you come back to WIXQ? Why do you come back? You were there yesterday. Why'd you come back? I came back because I love it. Once you're in it, you get that bug. And no matter what your intentions are, whether or not you want to be a radio broadcaster like myself, or you just want to do it for fun, you end up developing a passion for your show, a passion to grow the station. And you always want to see that succeed and you want to succeed doing it. That's why you come back. Okay. And most people, if you ask them, uh, you're not that far removed from graduation, but most people who come back for reunions, they're not coming back necessarily to see, see uh, the Pasillo gym. I mean, they come back to see it, but they're coming back to be part of that organization they were part of when they were here. Have you ever noticed WIXQ graduates coming back? All the time, all the time. I will tell you, I mean, we, we experienced it very prominently during our 50th anniversary year back in 2018, but I can tell you countless times I would be sitting in the production studio working away on, on whatever production that I'd be doing that day, and I would have students stop in, former students stopped in that had graduated. Like, oh, I'm just checking to see if, if anybody's here. I'm checking to see what the station looks like. Oh, there's my picture on the wall. Because in our station, we have pictures going back almost 30 years. In fact, it's probably very close to 30 years nowadays of people who were once at the station. And they just enjoy going back in time and revisiting their glory days and it brings them so much joy. Yeah, and I, I, I know that I've seen people, because we haven't done the pictures for a few years, right? Is that correct, Shade? If I, I, I've been in there, so I know it's been a few years. I see some old graduates coming back and say, oh, where's, where's my picture? I, I said, well, it stopped when I, I guess I, I became no longer advisor. Uh, and I'm not getting into that, but I mean, I did that because I knew it was sort of like a sports team. It's no different than a sports team in the sense that people, when you see sports teams, you always see pictures from the past, right? That's right. And you go up to the Reading Phillies, which I know you do. And heaven forbid, do you ever go to the Philadelphia Phillies games? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you'll see, on, particularly in Reading, all the pictures up there of the old. And don't you look at those? Yeah, you see who was on your squad. Yeah. And so I have, because of my athletic background and, and then my knowledge now of reading all about retention, which I said is simple. If the student, yes, academics they attach to, but there's usually some activity, uh, some outside thing that they attach them to that they know they, they in order to be part of it, uh, they got to say, maintain a certain grade and they, and they also want to come back to it. They want to come back and see what happened. I was just at a wedding of two WIXQ people. Can you believe that, Jane? Hey, there's those college radio love stories that are always ever prevalent. They And there were four or five pharma DJs at this wedding. And so the bond had been made, and, and every one of those DJs that was at that wedding had graduated. 
and they were all part of WIHQ. I was at, sitting at the table, having a great time reminiscing over their days at WIHQ. So you can see the powerful effect WIHQ had on student retention, powerful effect, and it worked. I, I can't believe that the university put all of their efforts into someone who really didn't have a background in retention, but I guess they figured that you could get the job done, and you certainly did get the job done, Doc, because you have a, a deep background that you kind of explained here throughout, but what did you do when they were making you train to become the retention officer of the university? Well, first of all, I had to think outside the box, okay? And so the first summer they asked me to do retention. So I came up with a bunch of suggestions about something called a freshman year experience, which was being done in South Carolina, freshman seminar, which they did eventually get. Uh, I came up with all kinds of ways of connecting people. You know, uh, you've, met, you've heard me mention the name Gary Reigert. Yes. Gary Reigert was very influential because he was the vice president for student affairs and he was all about helping students. And he and I became a team sort of. And I have a feeling in retrospect that he was the one pushing for me to get some salary. It was coming out of the student affairs area. Why do you think that was? Because he had developed at that point, we had developed a great relationship because I was advisor of the radio station and he was vice president for student affairs and I reported directly to him. So I used to go directly to him because he was very, very good about keeping tabs of the, the radio station. Because remember, in the history, he had advised it for a while. Did you know that? It was kind of his baby before it was your baby. Exactly. So we had this mutual bond. And then if you remember the Kevin Disco Dixon interview, Kevin mentioned both our names so that, that we were working as a team. Gary and I, Gary was more rule-based than I was. I was, uh, Shane, a little bit looser. I think you know that, right? No, not you, Doc. No. Yeah. So we were a perfect team because you had Mr. Rule Man and you had Mr. I'll follow the rules, but I'll interpret the rules. How's that? Is that a good way of putting it? That is acceptable. <laughs> and so everybody knew that no swearing on the air, no stupid behavior. And if you're going to get caught, you're going to face the penalties. Okay. But you also got to have some fun. And, and so that, that is why I, I became the type of advisor I was. And that was the leadership style for me uh, uh, that worked. And it is all about relationships. And my relationships with Gary Reigert got me that retention contract the first summer. So, you know, no good deed should go unpunished, right, Shane? That's right. So what do they do the next summer, having developed the retention plan, having been the retention officer? They asked me to develop a program for the undecided students. I guess they liked my work that first summer, so they gave me another summer. And so I, they, Gary Reigert again, I think was behind us, went to Joe Caputo, who was president at that time. And Joe Caputo and I had a great relationship. I used to be able to make appointments with him. He was the president of Millersville. And I, I, he helped me a lot sometimes i just go in and say and he always seemed to enjoy our conversations so again i was partnering not only now with the vice president but i was now part partnering with the president okay and i i went into his office and we discussed certain issues i'm not going to get into it because i don't want to get here or anyone in trouble but he always helped me solve a problem and they asked me to do the undecided program and I said, okay, what do I do now? I know nothing. What's the first thing you do when you're asked to do something, Shane, that you've never done before? Yes, questions. 
You ask questions, you go out and research the literature. And at that point, you're going to be shocked what I real. I call Fran, Fran, Dr. Fran McNary, okay? Because she was very highly spoken of in the area of retention and, stu and student uh, activities and that kind of stuff. And she helped me a lot. And do you know what she later became? She became the president. President of Millersville University. Although when I was dealing with her, she, uh, she was working at uh, Project Flourish out of Clarion University. And I called her up and we laughed to this day about the fact I kept her on the phone for an hour. And she had never heard about me. You know what I mean? I always admired her for doing that. Because if I had been her, I would have hung up on me a long time ago. I would have said, no, enough is enough. This guy's crazy or something, you know. <laughs> but she led me to the first year experience conference out of South Carolina. And uh, that led me to going down there, led me to presenting papers on advocating for students and becoming a student advocacy winner. And then writing a chapter in a book called uh, The First Year Experience on Student Advocacy. And I'm going to tell you my whole goal at that time. And the only thing that I lived by was I was to become a voice for the students when they had no voice. Because sometimes students don't have the power. And sometimes the first thing you examine in retention and undecided is, is are there policies or practices that are preventing this from happening? Very often retention is, is, is some silly little thing and a student says the heck with it, I'm quit, I can't stand this bureaucracy. So I started to do that. I started to do the undecided program by inviting my friends to become advisors, giving them some training. And lo and behold, that program came off the ground and lasted 25 years, Shane, lasted 25 years till I retired. So I was always doing retention, either retention at the radio station or retention through uh, through the undecided program, because some of the greatest at-risk kids and some of the offbeat kids were undecided. Does that sort of describe anybody like the radio station? That certainly does. I was just thinking about that because the radio station, I, I don't want to use the term misfits as, as a dirty term or anything, but the radio station is essentially a cast of misfits. All of these different backgrounds coming together, all these different majors, people who might be the shyest, people who might be very egotistical, a lot of people who really have that voice, but some of those people who are on the back burner might not have that voice, and they need to latch onto something, and the radio station provides them a platform to latch onto and get their passions out there to work with other people and to develop the skills that are not only going to help them throughout college, but to allow them to grow into the people that they'll become after graduation. Yeah, and of course, I knew that. I mean, I, Shane, am seen as a little weird. Did you know that? You, Doc? You? Yes. I'm a little different. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I won't wear a tie. You know that. Yep. I don't want to become, I never wanted to become an administrator. I always stayed faculty. That used to drive people nuts because I used to say to people, I'm, I'm not an administrator. They said, but you're administering a program. I said, no, I'm managing a program. I would drive him nutty with my double talk. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to maintain my faculty status. I was a tenured full professor. And if you read the literature, what I used to talk with this about a guy named John Gardner who created the first year experience. He said, Ralph, only tenured full professors can take the risks to develop programs and, and do things differently. 
because we're protected by tenure and that we're, we're full professors and they can't take money away from us because we're unionized. So we used to have these long conversations about only full professor with tenure can work in areas and develop programs because administrators, it's too risky. They could get fired. They could, they could lose their job. Okay. You stayed smart with that all doc. Yeah. I, I, I never changed. I never wavered. And, and the one thing about, uh, I, for good or bad, Doc is a, like a dog with a, a bone, okay? I won't let go. I dig and dig and I hold on, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I'll always remember that when we had a new vice president uh, coming in and asking, uh, uh, he, he said to me, well, I guess Ralph Antonin does what Ralph Antonin wants to do. I don't, I don't think it was a compliment, but, <laughs> and I'll, and I've done some wacky things with job interviews. I remember when, uh, there used to be a revolving door of people who were administering a, a program that I was under, uh, sort of, and, and that we would have candidates interview. And I always remember every candidate would ask me cause they'd come in and they'd have to meet me. What a, what, a, what a disaster that was. You have to meet Ralph Antonin. Uh, and, and I would say, they said, well, and they could pull the usual, well, what would you like of me? And here's what I said, Shane, and you're going to die. I said, just stay out of my way. I'll make you proud. Because <laughs> I was, I don't like to be controlled. Did you know that? I've picked that up over the years, and I think other people have picked that up as well. <laughs> and so I made a lot of friends. And I made a lot of enemies. I mean, it, if you're in academia, they don't like the loose cannon. And I was more or less, in retrospect, a little bit of a loose cannon. Although everything I did, the administration asked me to do. And those four summer sabbaticals they gave me to study retention, undecided, and the first year experience. They paid me, the administrators of Millersville, were very, very good to me. I mean, in retrospect, I didn't think about it that way, but Joe Caputo, Fran McNary, Bob Thomas, all were vice presidents at various levels, Joe Caputo, they never bothered me. And I knew I had a reputation. My reputation was as a rebel and as a guy who didn't want to wear a tie uh, I mean, I was even asked at one point as a, at a, to become an administrator at Millersville, and I said, nope, I don't want to be that. I want to be a faculty member to, protected by tenure and full professorship. And, and so I was lucky. I mean, I had an ideal situation. I got paid well. I loved what I was doing. Even though the radio kids turned this hair gray, I loved them for it. Because I was trying to help them grow, Shane. I don't know if you know it, but I wanted to help you in life, life lessons. Did you know I tried to teach life lessons? Every single day at lunch, Doc, you were always talking about something that could help us. Yep. And that is, and that was deliberate because I not only deliberate in the sense that I love doing it. I would rather be with young people than some of the old professors that were at Millersville. I prefer the company of the young because it was refreshing. And, and, and they, even though I thought some of the stuff you came up with was wacky. I mean, I enjoyed listening to it. So in essence, I was working at retention at the radio station. And again, that, that comes back to the presence. You were there for them when they may have needed you the most. Oh, yeah. I often said, I don't advise a radio station. And people look at me, well, you're listed as the advisor for the radio station. I said, yeah, a quarter of my time is developed to advise the radio station. But I'm not advising of the radio station. I'm advising young people 
and helping them grow up into the facts uh, that they'll face in life. And I also was advising them and because I started doing a lot of writing on mentoring. In essence, I was a mentor. I didn't realize it, but I, I was a mentor that, that some people choose to have me mentor them. I mean, I was, one, I was not a, in a formal sense a mentor, but I was what they call a, a, a person who they, they sought advice. Have you ever sought advice from anybody that wasn't like a, in the field that you were in? Oh, yeah. I would consider you, Doc, because you weren't in the field of radio. But I mean, you were the advisor, but I've come to you for advice from professors, from people that I work with that aren't in the radio industry. The list goes on and on. Yeah. And as I say, I and if you go back to my early one, I had no knowledge of what went into a, a, a radio station. I knew I knew that we needed an engineer and I knew. But I spent most of my time trying to help people grow. And and and, and sometime when we get to that section, I'm going to tell you some of the crisis that people created for themselves and me. I mean, it, it wasn't always easy, Shane. It was not easy being advisor. But the reward was when people grew and changed and, and you got to them to understand what they needed to do in life, not just, uh, and what they couldn't do at the radio station. A lot of rebellion was, was over music and that kind of stuff. And I had to point out to them, you got to follow FCC rules. This is not my call. And one, you don't own the station. The station can pull the plug on you anytime it wants. Okay. So you got to make sure that you keep this thing going. You keep this thing, WIXQ, going. It's not about you. It's about the bigger picture. Not only just yourself, but your fellow DJs. It's about the campus. It's about the community. It's about the university. Yep. We are not an island. We are not an isolated island. Rightly or wrongly, we have to deal with people every day. And some of those people we may not always get along with. But you have to, you have to be able to negotiate and bargain and, and uh uh, basically solve the problem. If, if all you're going to do is point out the problems, mm -mm, you've got to become part of the solution. You just can't point out problems. Even though this episode was very heavy on the element of retention in general and not just at the college radio station, I think that can be applied to anywhere within academia and anywhere, not just in academia, but the workplace as well and in your own general life. You have your passions that you can latch on to, but in the end, you, you have to stay dedicated to it so that way you don't drop off the grid and so you don't fail. But even if you do fail, you have to put in that effort to build yourself back up to be a better person for tomorrow. And I think college radio really encapsulates that. Yes, and, and, and you mentioned the word failure. You had to be careful that in your failure, you don't take down the radio station. There was always that fear in the back of my mind. So I was always looking, and if you remember, Kevin Disco Dixon, I was always looking for good leaders who would, who would then be able to help me, not only with retaining students at the station, but retaining the station on air and somehow monitoring the behavior of those who were really not that interested in, in being at the radio station. So I don't know if you want to do this next, but I can talk a little bit about some of the changes uh, uh, that went on when we had to uh, do station manager program director, the, uh, the key leaders, and, and some of the qualities that one looks for in a leader. I don't know if that's a good place to go next or not, Shane. I do think that is a good place to go next, Doc. And it's been a while since we've done like back-to-back -to -back topics of, of just ourselves, but this is a good transition point to talk about the people who are really holding the station up, not just the advisor, but the students, and especially the students, because that's what college radio is all about. 
It's a student activity, an extracurricular activity. And there are going to be people that are going to put all of their will, all of their heart, blood, sweat, and tears into growing the station. And then there's going to be those people that just do it to put it on their resume, that are just doing it for their own personal gain and may really not put too much effort into the station. And there could be some stuff that goes on behind the scenes amongst those leaders that may be good for the station, that may be very bad for the station, and may end up having consequences for the years to come after that. So I think this is the perfect time to talk about leadership at the college radio station. Yeah, I agree with you, Shane. Again, and the college paid me to learn about leadership. Remember, six consecutive summers, full pay. And uh, I owe a great deal of uh, gratitude to those administrators who uh, who helped me achieve that. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the things that I've always said is, I know I can't do anything by myself. Anybody who thinks they can do it all, ah, 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 in order to get a, to make something work, you got to get a lot of help from a lot of people. Perfect illustration, Shane. You're helping me with technology. I couldn't do this without you. I'd be nowhere, Shane. I'd be nowhere. But hey, you were able to get DirecTV all ordered and ready to go there though, Doc. <laughs> yeah, which is really funny because uh, I mean, I, I think it's impatience my, myself more than anything. So I said, okay, Ralph, sit, sit down and solve this. Don't depend on mama to solve this. I'm gonna solve this myself. And I did. And I feel good about myself today, Shane. I feel really good. I mean, I know that doesn't sound much for a for an 81 year old man to get his direct TV uh, credit card transfer it over, but it worked, baby. It worked. Hey, it's a proud accomplishment for somebody. Hey, even no no matter how big or small things are, if you feel good about doing it, feel good about doing it. It's about you. It's about you and what you can do. And you're learning. And that's what we're trying to do here through this podcast as well. We're trying to give you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. Yep. And uh, as I said, Shane, to you earlier, I'm getting exhausted here. I, I got I got into this. Did you notice I really got into this topic today? Well, Doc, with all of your experience, I figured, well, I might as well just sit back and shut up and let you take charge during this episode here today. Well, that's what happens when you're 81 years old, sitting home alone in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's time we wrap things up here. You can stay up to date with Scholastic Transmission all across social media by following us at College Radio Pod. And be sure to share the podcast with your friends, your family, and anybody that loves college radio. Now, before we come back next time and put a strong focus on leadership at the college radio station, is there anything that an exhausted Doc Rock would like to talk about a little bit more in regards to retention? No, Shane, because I have ADD, attention deficit disorder. Um, uh, I also have oppositional defiance disorder. That's odd, isn't it? Oppositional defiance disorder. Odd. Get it? Huh? <laughs> 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 I'll conclude with that because I'm totally exhausted. So for the jokester himself, Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin, I'm Shane Garcia. Thank you so much for listening to Scholastic Transmission of College Radio Podcast. Class is dismissed.